Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Armchair Detectives Wanted. This is our unsolved case week, Killed in the Library, a case from the USA. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Before we start, I will just issue a warning. This podcast may include content that some could find upsetting. It may also contain offensive language. As with all these cases, they are real life events. So please be aware that the crimes have had an impact on the family and friends of the victim. This is the case of Elizabeth Ruth Ardsmer, who died on the 28th of November, 1969, aged just 22. She suffered a single stab wound to the chest which caused her death. What is shocking is that it occurred in the Petit Library of Pennsylvania State University. Yes, you did hear that correctly, murdered in a library. Elizabeth, who was known by her family and friends as Betsy, was the second child of four children. She was born in Holland, Michigan. Her father was a tax auditor and her mother a housewife. She had a relatively middle-class childhood. Religion was part of the family culture. She was a high academic achiever graduating from her high school with honours in 1965. She started to develop an interest for the underprivileged and looked at ways of tackling social injustice. Elizabeth had set her sights high on becoming a physician. She enrolled at the University of Michigan, where she studied art and English. She was residing at the university with three other female students. One of her roommates, Linda Denbestam, explained how Elizabeth was an interesting individual with feminist traits. In her second year, Elizabeth had begun to date medical student David Wright. This was her first serious relationship. Elizabeth graduated with honours in 1969. After graduation from Michigan, it was her intention to travel to Africa with the Peace Corps. However, when she realised this may affect her relationship with David, she changed her mind. David was enrolling at Pennsylvania University, so she decided to do the same in order to be with him. After enrolment, she stayed in the Atherton Hall residence with another student, Sharon Brown. From Sharon's recollection, Elizabeth was either in the company of her boyfriend or studying. She didn't really seem to socialise that much. Elizabeth and David had now been in a relationship for about 12 months at the time of her murder. They discussed engagement for later that year, maybe, Christmas time, and had begun discussing their future together. Like all students, from time to time, Elizabeth became consumed with her studies, which on occasion caused her stress. She had a meeting with her tutors to discuss an assignment that she was struggling with on the day she was killed. The murder takes place on the afternoon of the 28th of November, 1969, just eight weeks after Elizabeth enrolled at Penn State University. Both Elizabeth and her roommate, Sharon, left their accommodation together. Elizabeth was on her way to the library to obtain some research material for her English studies. They both parted company and arranged to meet later that day in order to watch a movie. On her way to the library, Elizabeth had a conversation with Nicholas Tchaikovsky. He was one of her professors. She also spoke with Linda Marser and Robert Steinberg, two of her fellow students, though the conversation with them was brief. Elizabeth then made her way to the library. On entering the reception of the library, she was provided with her nominated desk. She placed her personal items on the top, these being her purse, 
jacket and book. At approximately 4.30pm she walks down one flight of stairs to the book area. A witness, Dean Brungart, an assistant supervisor in the library, sees a female in a red dress standing alone on the aisle. We now know this to be Elizabeth. You could also see two men talking to each other quietly in a nearby aisle. It would be about 10 minutes later when a further witness, Richard Allen, overheard a male and female talking. They were stood close to where Elizabeth was seen in the library. Richard could not hear the conversation that the male and female were having as he was operating the photocopier at that time. Richard did though tell police that he did not notice anything untoward. However, within minutes, Richard Allen heard a metallic crashing noise and witnessed a male run past him. He thought the male looked like a student. It would be between 4.45pm and 4.55pm, while standing between rows 50 and 51 of the library, that Elizabeth was murdered from a single stab wound. The wound penetrated her left breast, which severed her pulmonary artery and the right ventricle of her heart. As she slumped to the ground, she pulled a number of books from the shelf. Two students then witnessed a male who appeared to be concealing his right hand. The male said to them, that girl needs help. The two students were Jiao Yuafinda and Marilee Erdley. The description given by Marilee was of a male six foot tall, about 185 pounds, that's about 13 stone. He was wearing khaki slacks a tie and sports jacket. He had brown hair which appeared neat. The male pointed toward the body of Elizabeth. Marilee immediately began to check for a pulse. At this point Zhao noticed the male was leaving the library so began to follow him. The male then started running and Zhao lost him as he ran toward the recreation hall. Although numerous requests and appeals were made, this person has never been identified. At just after 5pm, two student paramedics attended the scene. Initially, it was believed Elizabeth had fainted. She was taken to the campus health centre as the paramedics continued with CPR. An ambulance then arrived to transport her to the hospital. Initially, it was difficult to establish what had happened to Elizabeth. The fact she was wearing a red dress seemed to camouflage the wound. It was for these reasons that the first responders and initial witnesses thought she had merely fainted. Elizabeth had also urinated at the site of her stabbing. As Elizabeth was discovered lying on the floor, it was noted that there didn't appear to be a pool of blood around her. On examination at the hospital, her clothing was cut to reveal a stab wound to the chest. This was a catastrophic injury that led to her death. She was pronounced dead by a physician at 5.19pm, just 30 minutes later. Post-mortem was arranged and completed by Dr. Thomas McNally at the Bellefonte Hospital. He concluded she had been killed by a single stab wound to the chest. It had pierced her heart, severing her pulmonary artery. Death would have occurred within five minutes. She had not been sexually assaulted and would have been unable to scream for help due to the catastrophic injury. There was minor bruising to one ear which would have probably been caused as she fell. He stated that the assailant would have been facing her at the time she was stabbed. The assailant would have been right-handed and specifically aimed for the heart. Following Elizabeth's murder, the police investigation commenced immediately. 
Over 35 officers were assigned to the case. They started by searching the campus for the murder weapon. Unfortunately, this has never been recovered. The police interviewed hundreds of students while the investigation team were based on campus. A reward of $25,000 was offered for information which would lead to the arrest and prosecution of the perpetrator. It transpired that on a normal Friday night between 4.30pm and 5pm, approximately 400 students would use the library. On that day though, it was only 90 students. They were all traced and interviewed, but none of them were suspected of the killing. An efit or composite was completed by witness Marley of the man whom she saw in the library directly at the scene of the crime. This person was seen to run out of the library. To view the efit, please go to www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com. When it came to collecting forensic evidence, unfortunately, the scene had been compromised. The library staff, believing she had fainted, asked the janitors to clean the area. The urine was removed and the shelving and books replaced. Some evidence was located on a staircase leading to level 3 where there were blood droplets. Examination revealed the blood droplets on the staircase matched the blood type of Elizabeth. This indicated that the murderer had potentially left in this direction. The autopsy suggested her assailant was standing in front of her. There weren't any signs of struggle on her body and no one heard her scream. Because of this, police investigating the incident believed that she knew her attacker. Law enforcement followed many lines of inquiry and ruled out the possibility Elizabeth had been stalked. One witness said Elizabeth seemed a little reluctant to become a doctor's wife or a mother at such a young age. All letters and diary entries made by Elizabeth suggested she was happy with life. She seemed very happy in the relationship. Police did question her boyfriend David, however, he was swiftly eliminated. One theory as to why Elizabeth was murdered in the library that day is that she may have stumbled across a homosexual encounter. Maybe those involved had murdered her for witnessing it. It has to be remembered that homosexuality was viewed differently in the 1960s. A similar theory proposed by the police was that Elizabeth may have witnessed a male masturbating. It's possible she recognised those involved and she was murdered to keep her silent. These theories were strengthened by the police investigation. Investigators observed a seat pulled back in the library from an area where desks were stored. This area was near to where Elizabeth was found. There was a half empty can and a small stack of both heterosexual and homosexual pornography magazines found in the area. In addition, about 20 further pornographic magazines were recovered from the bookshelves. It appears they have been concealed there. Further investigation revealed traces of semen on the floor, shelves and walls of the library. It seems illicit sexual encounters would often take place in the library, so it is possible this theorised version of events may explain why Elizabeth was murdered that day. Other theories circulated, such as a sperm male. A male who had made advances toward Elizabeth, which she had rejected. A drug debt, or she witnessed a drug deal. Although Elizabeth smoked and drank a little alcohol, her friends and family were adamant she did not use drugs. This theory seems less plausible. Eventually, the police investigation was scaled down as leads became exhausted 
and no arrests were made. The university even conducted its own private investigation without any success. A number of suspects were considered, although to this date no one has been formally charged with her murder. One suspect was a sculptor, 40-year-old William Spencer. He had recently relocated to Pennsylvania with his second wife shortly before the murder. He was teaching at a local college. He reported to police for allegedly confessing, stating, killed that girl in the library. This was said at a Christmas gathering at the college he was working at. It appeared Spencer was seeking publicity. He said he and Elizabeth had become acquainted and that she had agreed to pose nude for his classes for money. He even said he was present during the murder and offered to provide a sculptor of the person he had seen murder Elizabeth. Despite these allegations, his involvement as a suspect or a witness were quickly rebuked by the police. Another potential suspect was Larry Mora. He was a student and classmate of Elizabeth at Pennsylvania University. He had in fact taken her for a coffee. However, his description did not match that of the perpetrator given by the eyewitnesses. Larry was blonde, did not wear glasses and was of average height whereas the perpetrator was described as six foot with brown hair. In fact, one of the witnesses at the scene of the crime had been a classmate of Mora, so would have recognised him. As such, Larry was quickly eliminated. A further suspect is Richard Hafner. At the time of the murder, he was a 25-year-old geology student studying at the same university as Elizabeth. He wanted to conceal his homosexuality so arranged platonic relationships with females. In one extreme example of how he concealed his homosexuality, he travelled from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts to tell a girl he barely knew he loved her. However, she didn't take kindly to this and slammed the door in his face. Although well respected, he was socially awkward. He resided at Atherton Hall on the campus. This was just across the courtyard from Elizabeth's residence. He did show signs of erratic behaviour. This included potential theft of university property and sporadic incidents of explosive anger. He was known for neat and tidy brown hair as well as wearing khaki trousers and sports jackets, which importantly is very similar to the description given by the witness at the scene of the murder. It is said that the friendship between Richard and Elizabeth had been terminated shortly before her death. Sharon Bram, Elizabeth's flatmate, said Richard has visited their accommodation prior to the murder. He was questioned by detectives and admitted they had been friendly. He did agree that Elizabeth had terminated their friendship about a week before. He said she wanted to concentrate on her relationship with David. At the time of the murder, Richard stated he was in the student union building eating a meal. Where there, he heard rumours that a student had been murdered. He said he had never been in the library and said he felt sick when he realised it was Elizabeth. What is strange is that after her death, Richard spent the following two years studying away from campus. Suspicion grew against Richard. A few years later, an acquaintance of his, Lauren Wright, came forward with some information. Lauren stated that at about 6pm on the day of the murder, Richard arrived at their home address. He appeared panicked and exhausted. He said, have you heard a girl I dated was murdered in the library? This appears to contradict the initial account given by Richard. It wasn't until 1976 that Lauren provided this information to the police. It transpired Lauren only provided this account to the police after he'd argued with Richard. 
a nephew of Richard's later came forward to say in 1975 he heard a heated conversation between Richard and his mother. It seemed they were talking about Richard's arrest for molestation on two boys who worked in his local rock shop. Richard was charged with a child molestation and the trial took place. The result was a hung jury, so he was not convicted and was classed as innocent. As a result, Richard successfully had the records for this case unpunched. His mother finished the heated argument with, You killed that girl, now you're killing me. Despite the evidence, Richard had never been formally charged with the murder of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was laid to rest on the 3rd of December 1969. She was buried at the family plot. The final letter from Elizabeth to her boyfriend arrived the day after her murder. David placed a single red rose in her hands. Like most families, they were devastated. Any family would want to know what happened. Who was responsible and why? The killer was right there. Three witnesses saw him. One of them followed him for a short distance, but lost him. How could a murder be committed in a library and the killer get away with it? So, it's now over to you, Armchair Detectives Wanted Team. This is what we know. We know this murder happened on November the 28th, 1969. It's happened in the Pate Library at Pennsylvania State University. The killing took place between 4.45pm and 4.55pm. She was standing between rows 50 and 51 of the library. Elizabeth received a single stab wound to the chest. Three witnesses saw a male running from that direction, concealing his right hand. The male running said, that girl needs help. The male is described as six foot in height, about 185 pounds, with neat brown hair. He was wearing khaki slacks, a tie, and a sports jacket. He may have been wearing glasses. The post-mortem or autopsy suggests the killer was facing her and right-handed. Blood spots were located on the staircase leading to level three, which were of a similar type to Elizabeth's blood. And here's what we need to know. Did Elizabeth know her killer? Who was the male seen running from the scene? Why wasn't he identified? Why didn't he come forward to assist the investigation? Who is the person in the EFIT or composite, which can be found at www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com? Where is the murder weapon? What happened to the clothing worn by the suspect? Did anyone see a person carrying a knife? Does someone recall a person washing a knife? Can anyone recall a person washing blood from their hands? Was a person seen washing blood-stained clothing? Has anyone been told about the murder? It's difficult to keep these things secret. Did the police recover blood droplets from the banister? Has DNA been considered? Has her clothing been swabbed for DNA? Was her body swabbed for DNA? Were hair samples and clothing fibres obtained? Were fingernail scrapings taken? She may just have scratched the killer. Did Elizabeth stumble upon a homosexual encounter? Did she stumble on a single male masturbating? Was she killed to keep her silent? Was the killer a spurned lover? Partial fingerprints were obtained from the cam on the desk in the library. Who do they belong to? Did the killer confide in anyone? Do you think there is enough circumstantial evidence to treat Richard Hafner as a suspect? 
Why wasn't he placed on an identification parade? Who do you think killed Elizabeth? Why do you think she was killed? Do you think the killer was a student? Do you think it was someone she knew or a stranger? Someone knows who the killer is. Someone has that vital piece of information. Please visit our Facebook page, Armchair Detectives Wanted, where you will be able to, to discuss your theories and views with other members. Don't forget to go to www.armchairdetectiveswanted.com where you will find photos and further information about the case. It's now week 10 of our scenario. The husband is arrested and interviewed and provides no comment to all questions. You are looking to secure evidence for the murder. Which options would you consider for the husband? A. A DNA sample and fingerprints. B. Recover the family car. C. Recover his clothing. D. Recover his phone and computer. E. Allow him to leave on bail without any of the above as you don't have any evidence. Thank you for listening to Armchair Detectives Wanted. You are one of the team. Remember, don't just listen, be involved. We really would appreciate you recommending our podcast to others. Please join us next week for episode 11, The Poisoner. <laughs>